0: Ted Cruz is for Ted Cruz. He's dishonest. It's why the president called him lying <laughs> Ted. And it's why the nickname stuck, because it's true. Independent uh, women voters who often vote Republican,
1: we're seeing that particular voting block swing over to the Democratic side. I think there are two words that are going to define this election and are going to lead to a shocking positive Republican result. The first word is is Kavanaugh. The second word, caravan.
0: Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. I I have to interrupt this broadcast already with an important bulletin. Paul Manafort, over his petitions and protests, is not allowed to wear a suit, ostrich feathered or otherwise, in his next court appearance in the Eastern District of Virginia. Yes, Manafort, never one to shy away from legal shenanigans, did file a three-page motion with this virtuoso title. I really like this. Paul J. Manafort Jr.'s motion for order that he be dressed in a suit for the hearing on October 19th, 2018, and all subsequent court appearances. Denied. Poor Paul, the convicted felon and former Trump 2016 campaign chair. Paul has to go in one of those groovy, on fleek, orange maxi rompers, like the rest of the jailbirds. And like the rest of the convicts, remember... Paul of the torturers' lobby, as his clique used to be called in the 90s, has already been found guilty of eight charges in federal court in August at the hands of Robert Mueller's shark prosecutors. So let's just remember that the chair of Trump's campaign for president is now in jail for tax fraud in, let's see, uh, Sheffield's papers, 2010, 2011, 2012. 2013 he had hidden foreign bank accounts in 2012 he committed bank fraud with a 3.4 million dollar citizens bank loan and bank fraud again for a 1 million dollar bank of california loan who among us has not committed bank fraud and tax fraud for years and years. Anyway, back to the suits. In spite of some surprising case law on the haberdashery subject that cuts Manafort's way, that says he can't be compelled to wear a a prison jumpsuit, he's not going to be able to dress for the court like it's the prom. And I just realized the fashion press might actually approve, because back when Manafort's wardrobe first figured into court documents, Jay Fielden, no less than the editor-in-chief of Esquire magazine, said this, I think the kind of stuff Manafort's been buying and the tailors he's been going to are for men who have everything but style and taste. I'm actually, P.S., more worried about Manafort's access to Clairol Nice and Easy Permanent Hair Color 4G Dark Golden Brown. If they don't have kits of nice and easy at the commissary, what will 45343, that's Manafort, do. I'm Jean Valjean 45343. Three. Okay, enough uh, snark about Manafort. This is serious stuff. The midterms are coming. And today on Trumpcast, we're talking to a true election sage, like one of those people who knows every county and district in every state and who held what seats in 1858. It's Jeffrey Greenfield. Jeffrey was Robert Kennedy's speechwriter. He started on Firing Line in 1968. He was on CBS News for years, appears regularly in print and on screen. And he was my colleague at Yahoo News. He's won three Emmy Awards and has written 13 books. Most importantly, he says the midterms are going to be lit. I'll be back with Jeff Greenfield in just a minute. But first, the
1: tweets federal judge throws out Stormy Daniels lawsuit versus Trump. Trump is entitled to full legal fees at Fox News. Great. Now I can go after horseface Face and her third-rate lawyer in the great state of Texas. She will confirm the letter she signed. She knows nothing about me. A total con. I am watching the Democratic Party-led because they won open borders and existing weak laws assault on our country by Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, whose leaders are doing little to stop this large flow of people, including many criminals, from entering Mexico to U.S. In addition to stopping all the payments to these countries, which seem to have almost no control over their population, I must, in the strongest of terms, ask Mexico to stop this onslaught. And if unable to do so, I will call up the U.S. military and close our southern border. It is hard to believe that with thousands of people from south of the border walking unimpeded towards our country in the form of a large caravan, that the Democrats won't approve legislation that will allow laws for the protection of our country. Great midterm issue for Republicans.
0: Joining me on the line is the venerable soothsayer of electoral politics, Jeffrey Greenfield. Jeff, hello and welcome to TrumpCast. Pleasure to be here. So I was just reading about some parallels between Donald Trump and Tony Soprano, but today we're not talking about the mob qualities of Trump or tiny. Stormy Daniels calls him tiny, which I think has a nice classic mafia ring to it. But we're not talking about Sopranos. We are talking about New Jersey. How's that for a transition? There are five of 12 New Jersey seats are held by Republicans. Two of those seats, right? The 11th and 7th districts are targets for Democrats trying to flip the House. What do you think of those races?
2: Well, I I was just there two weeks ago. Um, I did a piece through PBS NewsHour. It's funny you mention them. Um, Yeah, these are uh, uh, examples of where if the Democrats are going to take the House, they're going to win. They are... Uh, have been represented by moderate republicans one of the districts has been represented by a frailing for close on and all for close to 200 years he's not running this year okay in both of the in both of those districts um donald trump is an issue you've read this a hundred times but in this case the conventional wisdom is true his he has relatively low ratings in these suburbs compared to his national ratings particularly among women so that the Republicans in these districts it's interesting, one of them, uh, assemblyman Weber, is relatively close to Trump, voted for the tax bill. Trump has endorsed him in a tweet. The other one, and uh, it's a guy named Leonard Lance, been in Congress for ten years, voted against Trump on a lot of key issues, including taxes, has kept his distance. And both of these Republicans are trying to um to, to label their democratic opponents as essentially uh, allies of Nancy Pelosi. So in a funny way, these districts, like a lot of districts in the country, it's not Republican candidate versus Democratic candidate, but in a sense, it's Donald Trump versus Nancy Pelosi.
0: Got it. Okay, so let's let's focus on this guy, Leonard Lance, the incumbent in the 7th Congressional District. You yeah. say that he um, needs to put distance between himself and the president, um, do you think he can, and and why does he have to, given his voting record?
2: Well, he has to because because um, the argument from his opponent... L- let me set this up for you. Yeah. Leonard Lance has, has been a fixture in this uh, district for 40 years, started in the county courthouse, state assembly, state senate, 10 years in the Congress, won pretty comfortably last time. His opponent it, has a completely different background. Tom Malinowski spent his life in... Uh, diplomacy and human rights. He was a high-ranking State Department official under um, Obama. He came back to the district where he was born and raised, but hasn't been in for a while. Mm. And his basic argument is, in this climate, we have to have a Democratic House of Representatives to offset what's likely to be a Republican Senate and Donald Trump. He has this ironic notion, the only way to be bipartisan is to elect a Democratic House, and that means <laughs> folks in this district, even though Leonard Lance has kept his distance from Trump, he runs as a relative moderate uh, in an old New Jersey tradition, uh, you know, Christy Todd Whitman, hmm. a Clifford Case, if you're old enough so you know your New Jersey history. <laughs> he said it doesn't matter. He's a Republican. He's going to vote for the new speaker, whoever that speaker is. And Lance is saying, I want to see a legitimate bipartisan House of Representatives. I'm a member of the Problem Solvers Caucus. And that's what the struggle's going to be. Um, Lance uh, attempting to define himself as an independent and define Tom Malinowski as a, a progressive Democrat in Nancy Pelosi's pocket, and Malinowski saying, I'm sorry, Congressman Lance, you might you might say that you're a moderate, but if, if the Republicans control the House and you'll vote for their speaker, we're going to have one-party government, and in an age of Trump, that's a disaster.
0: So that's that's what um, Bloomberg and even James Comey have said as their reasons for, uh, in Bloomberg's case, changing parties, and in Comey's case, encouraging People to vote for Democrats. They just say this is a checks and balances question that ambitions must ambition must counter ambition. But but that's not a very um, it's not like sufficiently cartoony. I think um, it's it's sort of technocratic. Like what about just Trump is horrifying, horrible to women, and just list the atrocities and and pledge to uh, let a thousand congressional oversight committees bloom.
2: That is decidedly not. What either Democratic candidate is arguing, no. In fact, they don't mention Trump much. Right. They're assuming that Trump's unpopularity, uh, particularly among women, will um, will be there. So that the, the, uh, in the other district, the, the, the frailing housing back to the Continental Congress district, um, the Democrat, who's a first timer, uh, Mike, Mikey Sherrill, she's a former Navy helicopter pilot and a federal prosecutor. So you could right away see why her mm-hmm. credentials say, You think I'm a left wing, <laughs> re eating, shabbly swilling, vegan, <sighs> you know, whatever. No, this is who I am. And and she I uh, have to say interviewing her was uh, difficult because she is on message to the point that it drove me crazy. Um but her message is um I wanna talk to both sides. She has she has said she will not support Nancy Pelosi for speaker. And she does neither of them raise the Trump issue in their ads or in Mm -hmm. their campaign. They just let it work for them. And I think what that demonstrates to some extent is the feeling among a lot of Democrats uh, running in sort of centrist districts Mm -hmm. that pummeling Trump is pointless. And you might also um, convince voters that that's all you got.
0: Right. And and set them up to want to own the libs again. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Or the just saying, well,
2: no, yeah I, I, you know, I'm not voting for you because I want to see, as you put it, you know, or as Mao Zedong might have put it, let a thousand investigations bloom. Right. You know, uh, in fact, one of the principal arguments of both Democrats is how bad the tax law is for New Jersey. It's
0: mm-hmm.
3: New Jersey
2: so, because they limited state and local taxes. It's clobbering states like New Jersey.
0: And that's a super high-tax state, right?
2: Yeah, the property taxes in particular are, are the bane of New Jersey's existence. And New Jersey, the reason I went there, apart from the fact that it was convenient to New York, is that it's, it is a perfect microcosm. New Jersey, when you think of New Jersey, it is as suburban as, a state as any in the country. And it has been also the home of, of moderate Republicans at the state level going back literally decades. And Trump, while de- redefining the Republican Party nationally to to their benefit in some red states, it's not helpful in New Jersey. And that's one of the arguments that um, Tom Malinowski makes running against Hunter Lance is Look, you might think that the Republican Party is this moderate New Jersey model, but Trump has redefined the Republican Party on mm-hmm. trade and immigration and on a, a, a kind of appeal to the baser to the baser instincts.
0: The New York Times poll shows a close, super close race, 45 percent to 44 um, in favor of Lance. But other polls show Malinowski up. Why is this election crucial in the quest to flip the house by Democrats?
2: Because it, 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 if you if an election night at eight o'clock, when, whenever New Jersey polls close, if we know that both those state, those districts have flipped, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to tell you something about there's a district in Kansas. There there are five or six districts in California. There's a district in Colorado. There are districts in Pennsylvania.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Kip O'Neill was wrong when he said all politics is local. All politics is local Mm -hmm. sometimes, and sometimes they get nationalized. And in midterms, particularly because they generally tend to cut against the president's party. The more an election is nationalized, the worse it is for the party controlling the White House.
0: OK, let's talk about um, let's talk about the other uh, contested district in New Jersey. What's this other one? The one
2: I just told you about with Mikey Sherrill, the helicopter pilot turned federal prosecutor running against a cylinder Weber to fill an open seat. And she's well, she's explicitly said she's not going to support Nancy Pelosi. And the pushback is, well, you mean not in conference. but What about if the vote's on the floor? I don't know how much this matters, by the way to typical voters. I don't know that in New Jersey, Nancy Pelosi is the devil incarnate as she might be in some other places in the country.
0: Hmm. Um, I mean, that's how it seems to me. These seem like this, it just, it seems like this could be, um, these could be very cartoonishly interesting races like the Texas Senate race. Um, but instead um, they're sounding very um, technical well, there, candidates on
2: both sides there, in, in New Jersey. Yeah, it, as I said, the Democrats don't feel they need to raise Trump because he's there and the Republicans, particularly Leonard Lance want to stay as far away from him as possible. Now it's, it should also be said, you know, I, the the thing we don't, well, we don't know anything until election day. If anybody has doubt that go back two years, but there has, I think <laughs> there has been generally um, a movement in that favors the Republicans over the last, Several weeks. Um, some of it may be that the economy, at least at a macro level, is still looking very good. Um, and I don't think Kavanaugh, I think, is not much of an issue in, in, in these New Jersey districts. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, the, that there's an uptick in the president's approval rating, and that, that always bears some relationship. So, one thing I would, I would just caution everybody if, if, if your listeners are now on the stage where they're checking uh, polling websites every 20 minutes, Um, Yeah, which, you know, and which is a guaranteed way to shorten your life. Um, (laughs) The most important thing to remember is that probability is not a prediction. People like him keep reminding you that a three in one chance means that once every four times it's not going to happen. So what I'm getting at here is broaden this out beyond New Jersey. If the Republicans were to hold the House in spite of the fact that right, the odds are right. now three or four to one against them, nobody should fall down and say, how could that possibly have happened? Because, you know, mm-hmm. if there's a one in four chance it could happen. And one of the things I've been thinking about, Virginia, is after the last year and a half, when people that you know and I know, uh, you know, daily get up and run their garments about the state of, of the country and, and the president, if the Republicans somehow managed to hold the House in the, in the face of what everybody has assumed for a year and a half, Every psychiatrist of the Northeast Corridor is going to be overbooked for the next six months. It's going to drive people nuts. Yep.
0: Yes, it is. I mean, it just will start to feel like being in prison. Uh, by the way, just so that we have a bright spot in today's Trump cast, I don't know if you saw this, but Paul Manafort petitioned to get to wear a suit to trial and not his uh, jumpsuit and shackles, um, and uh, it was, and that request was denied. So there's a little, a little bit of satisfaction in that. Although I do think you're right that if we Um, If the House doesn't flip, it's going to feel like uh, we'll never get out of this. Um, And just for my part, I want to see Adam Schiff and a Democratic Congress um, empowered to start these committees just because we need some truth around emoluments, around Russia, around money laundering. There's such a backlog of of scandals and shocks and seeming lawlessness by the president and the administration, it's the first time in my life I've thought oversight is what Americans really need more of.
2: Yeah, there may be, up, look, up to a point, I think you're right. But I also think that the, um, that if the, if the bloodlust runs and, to, you know, on January 5th, there are, there are impeachment proceedings begun against Donald Trump and Brett Kavanaugh, Um, this, this may not be, um, where the country wants a democratic house to go, you know, oversight up to a point is, is critical because we haven't had any, but you know, there are, I mean, there are, I still think, you know, you know, I grew up, I spent most of my life on the upper west side of New York. You do the math in terms of who Mm -hmm. I know, but, you know, I think there are people who are, you know, every day turn on, uh, the endless, and I mean, endless panels, uh, of, of talking heads. Uh, and they're still waiting for Robert Mueller to go up to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue with a pair of handcuffs and an arrest warrant. Um, <laughs> yep. And, you know, I think that's a part of the country. I don't think it's where compared to what, say, is going on with with the cost of health care. Um, yep. I'm not sure that's where the country wants a new Democratic House to go. And I think with it, I think you're going to see a fascinating um divide if the Democrats take the House between some of these newcomers who are centrist and some of them who are self-proclaimed, you know, socialists. Uh that Democratic yep. caucus as as uh as people half my age say is gonna be lit. Um <laughs> It's a phrase I would never use.
0: Um, I think it's excellent coming from you. So let's talk about Texas for a second, because um, there was a Ted Cruz, Beto O'Rourke showdown, and um, Cruz really threw around the word you just used, socialist. Um, I don't know that we ever expected socialist to be a charge in um, in uh, senatorial elections in 2018, or at least I didn't. Um, did you did you see the debate, or do you have any thoughts about the fallout from it?
2: Yeah, I saw I saw clips of it. Um, I have a more general thought, which is that um, if you think about Texas and the Democrats, the Democrats are Charlie Brown, and Texas is Lucy with the football. Mm-hmm. Um, they. I mean, I remember going back to 2002 when the Democrats nominated an African-American mayor of Dallas for senator and a sixth-generation Hispanic for governor. This was the dream ticket. Yeah. And they got their butts kicked. Texas is a deeply – it's a Republican state that Democrats keep thinking, well, the emerging Latino vote uh, and the increased numbers of younger, more educated people is going to flip it. And I think particularly because O'Rourke has a certain uh, charm to him. He's a very engaging guy. and raised. More money than God. yeah which Speaking is now of the, the of some resentment. Speaking
0: of the Upper um, West Side, uh, apparently uh, a lot because he went to Columbia. A lot of uh, the money he's raised, or a chunk of the money he's raised, has come from that na- that very neighborhood. Um, the,
2: the, yeah, well, there you are. Yeah. But but my feel my feeling is um, the the notion that um, even an attractive uh, younger Kennedy esque candidate was going to beat a guy who I I. I I keep thinking that if I ran the Democratic ad campaign, I would morph Ted Cruz's face into Eddie Haskell's mm-hmm. from Leave it to Beaver. Yeah. He is a, a uniquely unlikable guy, yeah. as one of the White House political people acknowledge. But, you know, the oh. idea that you're going to flip Texas red hmm. um, uh, is always a really, really daunting proposition. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it's one of the interesting things that O'Rourke did was to quote Donald Trump and his comments about Ted Cruz, you know, Lion Ted. So, you know, I understand what why people see that. And, they, you know, it, it, there's a certain madness that anytime somebody is eloquent, they decide he should be or she should be president. So now people will say, well, even if O'Rourke loses, why don't we run him for president in 2020? Well, um, it does
0: seem like he has national appeal. I mean, I was in Austin a few weeks ago and then in in San Francisco this past week. And outside of Texas or I should say outside of red Texas since Austin's part of this. I mean, people are in t-shirts for him like I've never seen. I mean, San Francisco was filled with yeah, but people. Wait, wait. Yeah.
2: Virginia, you're talking about Austin. No, Texas, I realize. I realize. San that's California. why
0: I said. That's why I said outside of Texas, um, Austin well, being defi- the the blue stronghold.
2: Yeah, I don't define that as national appeal. Ah, I see. You know?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm
2: sure there are t-shirts and uh, yeah, I'm sure there are t-shirts <laughs> in Ann Arbor and Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, you know 86th Street and Amsterdam <laughs> Avenue. But I, I, you know, well, this is what look. Uh, there's also the fact that, that yeah. It has driven me nuts about politics on the left ever since I was a (sighs) child on the Upper West Side where where that's, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt was was a saint. The Republican levers on the old voting machines had rusted away from disuse. (laughs)
3: Um,
2: Yeah, he's he's a very appealing guy, Beto O'Rourke. But all I'm saying is. Yep. that uh, that's why i was laughing when you said well austin texas and san francisco i yeah, said outside of coalition. texas okay. <laughs>
0: um i agree i just i i actually i mean i sort of i see that yes um we could be deceived because um he hits the spot for uh coastal elites and we could yeah be lucy footballed again um what um what other races are you are you looking at
2: okay um Let's, let's, okay. Uh, The the governor, of all the governor's races, and there are some very compelling ones in the two African Americans and the old states of the old Confederacy, the one I am most looking at is Wisconsin. Because uh, many people, this is another besetting sin among Democrats, they don't pay attention nearly enough to down ballot state races. So Mm -hmm. more than 10 years ago, Republicans began organizing something called Project Red Map where they realized that for a relatively small investment, they could flip state legislatures and even governorships at a higher level. And in 2010 Mm. in particular, they took over a whole bunch of of states and on many key issues, environmental law, uh, abortion, labor law. Um, education, who pays for it, tax law. It's the states that matter. And Scott Walker took over Wisconsin with the state legislature of Republicans and re- re- just revamped that state. That was the state that invented 20th century progressivism with Bob LaFollette, and it's now a right-to-work state. Well, Walker is running behind, and there's a chance the Democrats flip the state Senate, which means on everything from apportionment to labor law, uh, that's a real flip. And Democrats also may wind up depending on how some close governor's races go in control of virtually every big state except um texas and that's a huge change from what it was starting in 2010 and so wisconsin's governor race is big ohio's governor race which is pretty close is very big um michigan uh, i think the democrats are clearly going to take that state so you know we're all going to look at oh, the house oh look the senate which I think, by the way, may well wind up more Republican than it is now. But the governor's races and state legislative races may be where the real action is over the next couple of years.
0: Um, What, who is, because Wisconsin, even the word Wisconsin makes me shudder, like PTSD flashbacks to 2016. But why Tony Evers, the Democratic candidate for governor? What do you know about him?
2: He's a, he is a, um, an educator. And he has the charisma of a baked potato.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But
2: that may be exactly what voters want. Um,
0: well, since-
3: that in other,
2: wo- in other words, in other words, there was Wisconsin has had eight years of relative tumult, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he Everett won a a, uh, a primary in which there were I don't know six or seven people running, but they've unit But the Democrats have united around him, and the basic push is. Let's get Scott Walker out of there. And that has driven the Democratic Party in, in Wisconsin in a way that a lot of people didn't think was going to happen at the start of the year where Walker had all this money. So that's that's as much as I know.
0: Interesting. Uh, which of these which Senate seats in that chilling scenario, which Senate seats do you think Republicans could pick up?
2: Well, um, first, the obvious one, Indiana, mm-hmm. Uh Remember, Indiana and Missouri should have flipped six years ago. But in both of those races, the Republican candidates had in curiously inventive things to say about rape and pregnancy.
3: Mm-hmm. So Claire
2: McCaskill survived because of that. And Joe Donnelly survived because his opponent knocked off Richard Lugar and then proceeded to his, put his foot in his mouth. I think both. So Indiana is is a problematic for the Democrats. Missouri, I think now North Dakota is gone. Even before this mm-hmm. last event, Heidi Heitkamp was in trouble. You probably saw the story. She did an ad in which um, victims of sexual harassment attacked Heitkamp's opponent. It turned out many of those people had not given permission for their names to be used. Right, And she is, she's had to profusely apologize. I think Bill Nelson could easily lose in Florida.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so that's four. And I think John Tester in Montana will win uh and I think um the other Democrats in less red states win. I think Joe Manchin will win in in West Virginia. But it, I so that counts at least four incumbent Democrats to lose. And right now, uh unless the numbers are wrong, you know, the only seats that a Democrats could conceivably pick up are, are Nevada Nevada and Arizona. Uh unless the polls are wrong in Tennessee. So what that means is um you could have 53 or 54 Republican senators instead of what you now have, which is 51. I mean, look, this could all change. The one thing I have to say is the one possibility that throws all of this into, uh, into chaos is if, in fact, there is a wave of angry women voters who the polling numbers can't find. Yep. It's the one thing that makes polls suspect is if people turn out that have never been counted before as part of the voter pool. If that happens, then all bets are off. But I'm going with the conventional wisdom because I'm a conventional wisdom kind of guy. And the thing about convention, well, the thing about conventional wisdom is usually right. Uh, yes conventional it, wisdom.
0: except we except except for the last two years um, and and uh, I really do Absolutely. think i do I do think that you know you probably remember the the little um measurement register that had the little needle on it telling you oh yes right yes. in in uh, uh, you know at the New York Times, I practically blame that little data visualization um for trump's win- I, I don't think anyone has pointed to that as the cause of trump's victory but that is definitely the emblem of my own um, you know crushed feelings that night i just like looked at that thing and thought you are lying to me this is junk science um polls and and algorithms don't work anymore um well we'll hope okay. con- <laughs> we'll hope conventional wisdom holds this time if only to get a sense that um that you know gravity still holds even in trump times um, and, uh, and thank you so much for being here.
2: Okay, Virginia. Good to talk to you.
0: And that's it for today's show. What'd you think? Let us know your best words by tweeting at real Trump and you can tweet at me. I'm page 88 and Hey, you don't have to just follow us on Twitter you have another action item. If you care about the First Amendment and America being a free country from sea to shining sea, you've got to join Slate+. Plus. Slate's membership program is what keeps Slate in business. Bonus episodes just for members and way more. Just visit slate.com plus. Our show today was produced by Melissa Kaplan and A.C. Valdez with help from Shirley Chan. John D. Domenico is, as always, our voice of Donald Trump. And I'm Virginia Heffernan. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast.